in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them toxic suckers like the f***ing players. Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan. He interviewed with the Vikings on Wednesday. It had been reported by On3 Sports that he was going to accept the job. He was going to be offered and then accept the job on Wednesday. But that did not happen. He informed Michigan he is coming back. So we talked about this yesterday, Jim Harbaugh and, you know, the ceiling at Michigan. Does he think he can do more at Michigan, or do you think this is more about the Minnesota Vikings and what they actually offered him? Or did he get the sense the Minnesota Vikings weren't going to hire him? Because maybe when Kevin O'Connell emerged as the candidate, maybe it became clear to Jim Harbaugh that he might want to save face. He might want to say, "I'm you're not firing me, I'm quitting. Right? Maybe that's the way that Jim Harbaugh came about it. We don't know. Um, I, I just want to say, Tyler, I'm kind of devastated. If you can't trust on three sports, who can you trust? <laughs> uh, the last thing I'm curious about on the Harbaugh situation here. Well, obviously, I guess there's a couple teams that had coaching vacancies. That would be funny if he said, I'm coming back to Michigan and he takes a different job. But is he getting a raise for Michigan? Because... This at times has felt like a leverage play for Jim Harbaugh to, you know, get your name voted out there with some NFL teams. Hey, Michigan, you better be careful. I might leave, might go somewhere else. While at the same time, the coach in the same state as him, Mel Tucker, signed a 10-year deal for $95 million. I do wonder if Jim Harbaugh has, has managed to at least get a raise out of this for Michigan because a lot of this has seemed like a leverage play for him to get more money. Which, of course, is kind of funny after what happened in his last contract he took pay cut like you know (laughs) it would just be reinstating some of uh what harbaugh had in the past and again look if if harbaugh wants to go back to michigan that's fine jason fitz said it yesterday i said it yesterday we believe that jim harbaugh has maxed out what he could do at michigan and so if jim harbaugh goes back next year and wins seven games and gets waxed by ohio state this is going to look like a horrible decision and frankly i think it is a horrible decision jim harbaugh should be trying to go to the nfl as hard as he can right now with the head coaching job still open there's no way i would have announced i'm coming back to michigan unless jim harbaugh decided that the jobs that are open are so bad that there's no way that he would go there and frankly if stephen ross still has a job available then i can't believe he would choose to take himself out of the running serious question for all you think about all you've said about michigan the last uh, two shows you'd still rather be there than the houston texans right which one has nick casario and jack easterby and cal mcnair because i want to be in the situation that doesn't have those guys okay i'm out Good job, Kira. It's going to be tough with none of us in the same room. The DH is coming to the National League, according to Jamin. He tweeted yesterday, barring something totally unexpected, it can be assumed at this point that the universal DH will be in place in 2022. Both sides, players and owners, both sides 
are in favor. So Adam, we know they can agree on something. We know they can actually agree on one thing. It might not be important. It might be the 34th most important thing, but the players and owners can agree on something. It's amazing that it took this long for them to agree on that, Tyler. The Universal DH is guaranteed jobs for guys who wouldn't otherwise have jobs. Like, you can be the biggest beer league softball fatty and still hit and have a place in the National League now. That's another 15 jobs. That is exactly something that both the union and Major League Baseball should want. So, yes, I'm glad they agreed on that because it's the most obvious thing they could have agreed to in the first place. But I will say, rest in peace to one of the greatest moments in baseball history, Bartolo Colon homering off James Shields in San Diego. You know what I'm actually sad about is um, Zach Greinke. He has stated he desperately wants to get to 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases in his career. He's on nine for each. And with this coming in place, he's probably not going to get the chance to get the 10 on either one of those stats. I guess he could use him as a pinch hitter. Yeah, you get a weird 16 inning game, but we're trying to. Yeah, now that there's no ghost runner on second, we're going to have lots of 16 inning games. See? Let's go I Zach Franke. Yeah. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Asia Wilson has re-signed with the Las Vegas Aces. She was a restricted free agent, so very unlikely she was actually going to go anywhere. Uh, Rachel Galligan reported it's a two-year deal, a max deal for what uh, Asia Wilson could have gotten. 196000 and then 202000 in those two years. What it means for the Aces... They have roughly half a million dollars in cap space now. The WNBA salary cap is right, uh, it's like 1.5 million, I think it is, for this year. They only have a few players under contract, though. Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Dierica Hamby, and Asia Wilson. So they've still got, like, an entire roster, basically, to fill out here. But with $500,000 in space, they can chase after at least one more big name. There's at least another star-level player they can try to get this offseason that would fit under the salary cap. And looking at the four or five players they have under contract, I think they probably need at least one more star-level player to make that work. Will Asia Wilson be using some of her new riches to pay for Liz Cambage's seat upgrades on next year's flights? <laughs> no, for wherever Liz Cambage is playing. It's Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond has to do that. That's the requirement now. If, if I were Becky Hammond, that would have been some a crafty response to Liz Cambage to be like, I got your seat upgrades. We're good. Well, if I was Becky Hammond, I would not want Liz Cambage on the team. Absolutely not. No, like and, that. Yeah, that would that to me, like, that's the biggest problem with with what they did with Bill Lambeer was they they their best two best players were playing the same position. They had two post players that had to operate in the same space. Like, it's just not good so you wouldn't want Liz Cambage back and then obviously when she calls out your salary you probably don't want her back after that anyways what do you think this is one of my favorite types of reporting it's right up there with who follows and unfollows who on Instagram Jared Stillman who works for ESPN radio in Nashville tweeted yesterday Aaron Rodgers has purchased land and is in the process of building a home in the Nashville suburb of Franklin. Also, source says Rodgers is open to joining the Titans. Another source says that current Packers teammates do not expect Rodgers back in Green Bay. And all I can think of is when we were told that Tom Brady was putting his kids in school in Nashville, Tennessee. And that he and Mike Vrabel are best buddies from their time with the Patriots, right? 
there were plenty of puzzle pieces for us to jam together, no matter how much they don't fit. <sighs> yeah, let's rank these. <laughs> let's rank these for a second. Real estate reporting or Instagram follow on follow reporting? Which What do you oh. got? Okay, so the the real estate reporting, the funny part about it is that it often comes from actual reporters. Like it's, it's often people, like sometimes actual people that cover real estate will report something about it. That's happened here in Las Vegas a couple of times. The Instagram one is great because literally anybody can do it. Like you don't have to even know the people. You just say, hey, look him up. Hey, he's following him now. Oh, he's not following him today. Like it's Instagram reporting. That that one's my favorite. And actually that one might be more accurate than the real estate reporting. Okay. All right. I like that because I think in 2022, who you follow on social media probably means more than where you bought a house. <laughs> probably does actually and you know marcus arroyo blocked me so i can report that marcus arroyo doesn't want to talk to me uh, on twitter or on instagram no not a, yes he did block me on instagram too not on tiktok though he has still not blocked me on tiktok come on marcus get with the times yeah great question yeah again great question so this tweet from a couple days ago was interesting from mark long of the associated press um, Trent Balky, who is uh, in Jacksonville. Trent Balky was apparently looking to hire an assistant general manager. And the reasoning being is that so he could be more hands-on with the players on the field. Um, Adam, how has Jacksonville led the most incompetent coaching search of the offseason? What, you don't think that Chad Khan knows what he's doing hiring a football coach? Uh, everything went so well with Urban Meyer, and, and the people in charge are somehow still the same. Did you – I'm going to I'm gonna toss your story in the trash and do, tell a different Trent Balky story. Did you see on the last Jacksonville home game of the year, did you see the game they played, like the little in-stadium promotion with the woman where they asked her to pick an answer from a multiple choice to win a prize? I did. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. But if you did not happen to catch this, they had a, a trivia question and there were three answers and they had a Jacksonville Jaguars fan say, is it A, B, or C? And her answer, which was not listed on the board, was fire bulky. <laughs> it was awesome. If your fans know your general manager's name and are saying fire him, you probably should be listening to the peanut gallery. <laughs> that would be great if Sean Conn was like, you know what? I was going to keep this guy around, but this lady during the third quarter said I need to fire him, and she's probably right. Let's do it. Let's get a new GM, and the Jags would probably be better off. They might actually have a coach by now that they were happy about. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. According to Pro Football Network, Devontae Adams wants $30 million per year, but the Packers don't want to give him more than $25 million. So, from the Raiders' standpoint, should they give Devontae Adams $30 million if he reaches free agency? Not unless they also extend Derek Carr. And I'm not talking about the whole Fresno State Go Bulldogs thing. I'm talking about you don't bring in Devontae Adams unless you know who your quarterback's going to be because that would be the biggest waste of receiver money you could possibly have. Like DeAndre Hopkins is going to make $27 million on average in his contract. So is Devontae Adams worth $30 million? Yeah, he is, because Devontae Adams has stayed healthier 
than DeAndre Hopkins the last couple of years. And we know exactly who he is. I mean, at the moment, it's hard to argue that he's anything other than the best receiver in the NFL. So Devontae Adams should be looking for $30 million. Should the Raiders be paying him that if they also have to pay Derek Carr $30 million, if they also sooner than later are going to have to pay Max Crosby some amount of money close to that? I don't think so. So you kind of let into the what I think your answer will be for this, but if the Raiders decide, hey, we need a, a maybe not number ones, maybe not the right way, but we need an outside wide receiver. We need a, a number one guy on the outside that's at least competent. Uh, you would prefer the draft simply because of the cost there? Not just because of the cost, because look at what you can do with with the other money that you would have. I guess maybe that is part of the cost, but Justin Jefferson might be a unicorn, but so is Devontae Adams. And if you get a Justin Jefferson, then you're set. Like you've got that guy for five years at a reasonable cost and you can direct that money to other needs that you have, like offensive line, like secondary. Like, you can do so much more with that. So beyond that, though, if I get the young guy, then I probably am buying better health also, right? Devontae Adams will be in his 30s in his next contract. So if you are going to buy that, you are buying the fact that the guy's probably going to be dealing with more injuries. I like that phrase, buying better health. That's a fun phrase. I need to start using that. I'm going to steal that. Is that okay? Oh, it's all yours. Every time. Every time there's a young player chosen over an old player. Ah, they're just buying better health. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into a little bit of the Golden Knights as the NHL All-Star Game is almost upon us. We're back to the press box with Grainy and Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. That was, by the way, Rocky Wirtz, the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks, yesterday was asked about uh, what the Blackhawks are doing uh, to help players that could be in a situation like Kyle Beach was in. Kyle Beach was a player that accused uh, Blackhawks coach of sexual assault while he was with the Blackhawks. And the owner of the Blackhawks uh, apparently doesn't want to talk about it, if you heard from that, which is my, my favorite part of that audio. I don't know who it was. But whoever else with the Blackhawks that was up there, like offering his handout, being like, I will talk about this. I have a good answer for it. And Rocky Wirt shutting it down and saying, no, we are not talking about how we would help players in the future. Wayne Gretzky, of all people, <laughs> commented on this on the TNT national program studio show saying i have an 18 year old and i want to feel like if my 18 year old went somewhere that they would be protected and when i say of all people i say if you're rocky Wirtz and the face of hockey is talking about you like this you're probably wrong i don't need to yell about it it's obvious how bad the guy was in that spot but to um to degrade kyle beach that way is the really reprehensible part because if you're in Kyle Beach's shoes and you've taken you've taken the arrows that you have for coming forward for this to then hear the guy who's supposed to be protecting the ones who come after you, the whole reason you spoke up, speak that way, it just has to be hugely disheartening. Yeah, it's it's basically back to where you started, right? I mean, that's that's where yeah. th that is as an organization. Like you 
didn't accomplish much in terms of changing the culture of hockey, changing the culture because their owner is doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't want to talk about it because it's a hard thing to talk about. And it's a hard thing to do as an organization to actually fix something that is that wrong. And the Blackhawks would rather pretend like it never happened than actually handle it head on, except for that one guy, whoever else was up on stage with the owner. He wanted to. He was ready. And he still got shut down anyways. Um, all right. I do want to talk about this story from Vic Tabor in The Athletic. Um, a little bit more details, a little more interesting uh, insight into some of the coaching search, uh, what uh, the conversations were about Rich Basaccia. And Adam, I, I think my main thing to yell about here after reading this is Mark Davis the reason the Raiders don't go for it on fourth and short? Oh my God! It's exactly what I thought. We have not, just for everybody out there. We have not talked about this story. We only saw <laughs> both saw it a few minutes ago and said we should talk about this story. It was exactly my take. Oh my God! Have we been wrong to John Gruden and Rich Basaccia about we might be. all we of might their be. field goal kicking and lack of going for it on fourth down? So one of the details in here is about uh, the Chiefs game against Cincinnati when Kansas City at the end of the first half did not score, where they got to the goal line, they ran a play with five seconds left, they threw it short, and the clock expired. And apparently Mark Davis wasn't upset or didn't find it annoying that they didn't score a touchdown or throw it to the end zone. He was upset because they wasted three points to the point where he said, Rich texted me right after that happened. And he said, I thought of you when that happened because he knows how much that kind of stuff drives me nuts. It's Mark Davis. Mark Davis is yelling at his coaches when they go for it on fourth and short instead of kicking field goals. Oh, my God. You know what that means? It's never going to change. No. It's never no. going to get better. Apparently, Josh McDaniels is... <laughs> team take the points right <laughs> he has to be he uh, how has else to do you get now. the job you can't get the job unless your team take the points oh man this is so depressing for what we're going to be talking about on the air for so long now about this team guys gals it's not about the fact that they didn't take the points it's about the fact that they threw it five yards short of the end zone <laughs> the the whole the whole key in this this detail from Vic Tafer is that Mark Davis was upset they didn't get three points. Like that to me is the key there. He's upset they didn't get three points. Like they should have gotten seven. He should be upset they didn't get seven points, but he's upset they didn't get three because that's that's how he that's that's what a lot of football's fighting is. That's a lot of what's changing because we've seen more teams go for it on fourth downs, especially fourth and shorts than ever before now. That's what's changing in football. But that's sort of the mindset that's being pushed against is this idea that you're missing out on three points when in reality you're missing out on four points because you should be going for the touchdown and seven. But that's the key detail there is that Mark Davis, I, I guarantee he watches this team play and when they get whatever inside the 40-yard line, he thinks that's three points. We should have three points no matter what. And if they don't walk away with three points, he thinks it's a failure. I that That has to be it. And this is probably unfair to Mark Davis. Does this apply at all to their red zone struggles? Like that they're more interested in just getting the three points and like the moral victory than actually scoring? I think it's important to understand all this that we read a little bit directly from Vic Tafer's story here from The Athletic. And this is, again, this is Vic's read, not necessarily uh, fact in all of this. 
said, while many in the national media think of Davis as a non-meddler, they haven't seen him storm into coaches' offices after games and vent. I think part of the reason we say the goalposts have changed, it was viewed as a playoffs or bust season, the Raiders made the playoffs, Basaccia and Mike Mayock were sent packing anyway, is because Davis thought they should have beaten the Bengals in the wild card round. Penalties, bad timeouts, and a final play where Zay Jones ran his pattern five yards short. Derek Carr rushed the throw, had to leave a bad taste in your mouth after an impressive, resilient season. If the Bengals game had anything to do with why Mark Davis chose not to keep Rich Basaccia, I wish for nothing but a plague upon this franchise for the next 10 years. <laughs> because what Rich Basaccia did in keeping this team from collapsing was enough to get the job. Look, if we want to keep talking about head coach as CEO, if we want to keep talking about that you can always hire a coach to do X's and O's, and you need someone who can actually command the room, then what more did Rich Passaccia have to do? But, Tyler, did you get as far as reading about Mark Davis talking about players' quotes about Rich yes, Passaccia? He he kind of, in a way, threw Rich Passaccia under the bus. Threw his players under the bus, too. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you haven't been glued to your computer for the last hour, uh, Mark Davis also went after some of his players in, I'm not going to say a roundabout way, I think it was pretty clear Mark Davis talked about the fact that he needed to develop a thicker skin because, uh, quote, they love Rich, and I do care what the players think, Davis said, but what's harder was that I talked to most of them, and it wasn't all unanimous. The public statements were all unanimous. That made it tough on me, but that's okay. I have to learn to get thick skin. <laughs> that's the owner you want to play for? That's the owner you want? Uh, after the year this team went through, after having to get through not only the Henry Ruggs situation, but the fact that Mark Davis, as an owner, never once, never once and to this day, has not stood up and said anything meaningful about John Gruden's emails. You didn't support the players then, and now you're going to go throw them under the bus? Come on, man. That is absolutely ridiculous. That's uh, his way of trying to be like, yeah, it's okay that I hired a different coach from Rich Passaccia because, listen, not everybody loved Rich Passaccia. It may look like it, but trust me, not everybody actually loved him. So, really, it was okay for me to hire Josh McDaniels. It's been – I. I don't, I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to be like a, a horrific coach. I think the process they used to get here, I don't think it was very good. Like the details we have on the coaching search, it wasn't Jacksonville Jacks back. Like there's certainly been worse processes here, but it doesn't feel like the, the best process the Raiders had to actually get to hiring their head coach. So what we know about the search such as it is, is a couple of things. One, they kept it very quiet. And two, that uh, they used an 80-plus-year-old year friend of the team as a search consultant, right? Who said that he never asked Josh McDaniels about what happened in Denver because he doesn't care about what happened in Denver. Oh, okay. I mean, I would want to know what happened the last time the guy was a head coach and failed fairly spectacularly. Um, but okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Tyler. I, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to process some of the things that we've heard about this coaching search, uh, about about the way Josh McDaniels got into the building. I mean, Mark Davis went crazy as well on the national media. Right. He said he was happy that they were able to keep the search 
quiet and then he was mad that people were just quote throwing s against the wall to see what sticks and that he didn't deny it i i, I just there's a lot about this franchise that I think people who have watched it for a long time would probably say to you, yeah, dude, that's the Raiders, right? This has always been what this organization has been like. Um, the difference is, I guess, that Mark Davis isn't Al Davis. Uh, to me, the my main takeaway from this is sort of similar to what I've thought before. This organization is going to have to overcome its owner to actually be successful. Like for Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler to work, they're going to have to overcome their own. They do not have good decision-making usually in place. And it comes down apparently to not just the macro level, but now the micro level we learned of Mark Davis might run into your office if you go for it on fourth and short and instead of kick, kicking the field goal and taking the points. And so you better kick that field goal and take the points or else your boss is going to be unhappy. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. This is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. And joining us now is that bag of milk, Darren Millard. Good morning, Darren. How's how's your bag of milk body feeling? It's feeling actually pretty good today. So now bags of milk can be can be intimidating because they're very square, like uh, shoulders, big shoulders, and uh, and they're um, very solidly built. And if you hold them up, they could be slimming. Uh, it's when you when you put them down on the table and they just sag and flop over. That uh, I think that's the version that uh, that Mr. DeBoer is referring to. And he may not be wrong. He may, he, that he, he's a very accurate. He's a lawyer. He's a head coach for a long time in the National Hockey League. Uh, that that may be one of the more accurate things he's ever said. I actually have an important question for a Canadian here. Yeah. Um, how do you drink out of a bag of milk? Like, is there an easy open part of this, or do you have to like cut this with scissors? You uh, you snip the uh, the one end of it after, uh, but after you put it in the in the plastic holder. So you, you so wait, hold slide on, it in hold the plastic on, holder, guys... and then you snip the end of it, and then you pour it out. It's good. So you guys buy a plastic container to put the bag of milk in. Yeah. As opposed yeah, to just uh... buying the milk already in the plastic container. Right. Well, it's it's in a plastic okay. bag, and then you put it in. The, it's, the, the whole idea is, one, it's uh, apparently cheaper. This is according to Gary Lawless, so, um, I, I, so I, it's not I, true. I've not done the research <laughs> research on this, but apparently it's cheaper to ship, uh, and it's uh, more uh, beneficial to the environment because there's less plastic uh, around because you don't have all the, the, the big uh, the, the, the cart. Uh, with it, you just have this little plastic bag. So that's 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 the idea around it. I, I've never seen it anywhere else in the world, other other than Canada. But uh, but uh, calling somebody's body a bag of milk is a popular uh, shot at uh, at at uh, at a human being in Canada. So body of a bag of milk. So shall I assume that when you strap on the pads and get in net, that is you putting yourself into the plastic jug? <laughs> yes, that's a very good analogy. That, yeah. that's a, that, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is extremely accurate. Thanks for bringing uh, a, a little bit of progress to the show, Adam. <laughs> you, uh, so you got to be the goalie again in practice. How, how often can you do that? Like, Could you do that on back-to-back days? Yeah, I could do it on back-to-back days. I could probably do it uh, two or three times a week uh, before I'd, I'd start to, to feel it. I'd definitely do it every day. 
Uh, I don't have that uh, that type of uh, uh, body that could uh, that could handle it. But uh, I could I could do it. I could do it. You actually feel. I like when, when you when your body sore because it makes you feel like you've done something. So uh, I enjoy it. I don't think my wife enjoys it quite as much because I, I complain and say, ah, my hip sore, my knee sore. But uh, but no, it's uh, I could do it uh, probably three times a week would be uh, in the uh, pushing it uh, to the to the extended limits of, of my body. But it's, so Darren, it's, it's, um, it's great. Darren, we we cannot have any more injuries. You cannot get injured because the Golden Knights have dealt with as many injuries as any team in the National Hockey League. So now we get to the All-Star break, a little past the halfway point. What's your overall read on what Pete DeBoer and his uh, staff have been able to make out of the constant shifting of this lineup? Did we lose Darren? Or did I just oh, lose Darren? No, I think we uh, might have a little cell phone issue. Yeah. Oh, is that what's happening I'm here? here? You're Are you here? here. Okay. okay. I, I'm now hearing an echo too. This is what happens when you stick a cell phone inside a bag of milk. <laughs> this is exactly it. I don't know what's going on with you guys. Technically, uh, uh, I blame Kira. That's probably fair. I mean, you sounded fine right there. We got all that sentence out. And uh, oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. And, doesn't sound good at all. Darren, Darren, hang up and call us back, or we'll call you back. One of the two. I, I, yeah, I, I love it when we hear that. I love it when we hear that. Tyler, <laughs> should, did did we have to bag the interview? We did have to bag it. I was disappointed. I I thought going to the dismount of I can probably be goalie three times a week before the milk starts to sour. So right now, I'm actually looking at BuzzFeed Canada. Uh, where there is a helpful graphic. That exists, okay. Yeah, there's a helpful graphic on how to not open bagged milk and how to open bagged milk, and apparently the jug thing is necessary. Like, you can't do it otherwise. They're suggesting that if you just try to cut the top off the bag of milk and then pour the milk into something, you're a rube. Uh, You you can't do this. Um, But you're supposed to place it in the jug, snip off one corner, and then pour the milk into a glass, which I guess sounds more environmentally friendly than constantly having cartons that you're throwing out, right? Like you're basically having one carton that you use over and over again, and then you're just sort of farm-lifing it through with uh, bags of milk. I guess. Does it, wait, Darren, we're, I'm looking at pictures of these bags of milk. Are they actually like tied off at the top like a like a loaf of bread? No. Oh, okay. they're just sealed. And then you <laughs> okay. snip it. <laughs> do they Jeez, sell uh, small? Do they sell small bags of milk that you just poke a straw through? And yeah, like for the kids at school. But you do buy them in packs of like you can buy them in one individually, or you can buy them in packs of three. Normally, you buy them in packs of three. Yes, cheaper that way. Cheaper that way. Yeah. All right, you sound okay. good. So, if you remember Here's Adam's question, go ahead. Here's my answer to uh, to Adam's question, uh, and there's a couple of different ways that you can go down that path. Uh, uh, when it comes to the coaching staff, like A, A+, plus, A++, plus, 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 uh, being able to work with, with all the different players and be in first place at this stage of the season. Like, I'm not crazy uh, how they've been able to work in different people and uh, people off waivers and people from uh, the American Hockey League who've never played the National Hockey League, et cetera. We all know 
the, the the rotation of, of, of the lineup. And and there's been several teams around the National Hockey League, a lot of teams around the National Hockey League, who have dealt with uh, COVID issues and some injuries and are not nearly, not even close to the success rate of the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's not just talent, uh, top-end talent. It's, it's It's been the approach. Uh, so so A-plus. Uh, the is is incomplete. Uh, I, I don't know whether you can. I don't know how you judge this team, other than than focusing on individuals and say, "Oh, I'll give uh, Alex Petrangelo an A, and uh, and I'll uh, I'll give uh, Riley Smith a B, or uh, you can you can do that." But uh, but as far as uh, as as the total uh, group, uh, there, there's no way that you could you could evaluate what they are or what they've been because. They've been different uh, every single night, and and significantly different uh, night to night uh, with with their lineup. So um, I, I think we can still project what what we're going to uh, witness coming out of the All Star break, and hopefully with the additions of Alec Martinez and, and Jack Eichel, uh, there's optimism on that. But uh, as far as the performance of the group, it's uh, it's incomplete because the, the group's been different so much. Is is do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been like if you just look at how many injuries you've had, it's been yeah. ridiculous what they've gone through. And the the coaching side of it, yeah, whatever. It's a weak division. They should still be in first place. But as far as judging them for the future, it's it's still kind of up in the air. Like obviously they're good. Are they a true top three, four team in the league that can win the Stanley Cup? We don't really know. They haven't had all these no. guys together. And how good is Jack Eichel going? I mean, the this, the potential's certainly there, but. I don't think we really know the answer to that. I think it's season. Did we lose him again? What's available? Hold on, hold on, Darren. We can barely hear you, Darren. We're we're gonna have to. We're just gonna have to let you go. I'm sorry. We got in our bag of milk jokes, and then no, the phone just didn't want to talk about anything else. That's pretty much what we needed. Yeah. Oh yes, love it. So oh, so someone. So I feel like someone poked his bag. Oh, it, you know what's great about hearing the dial tone is it sounds so angry. Like Darren Millard could have hung up and like, ah, okay, whatever, going on with my day. But it just sounds so angry when you get a dial tone on the radio. It's so great. I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. I recently uh, attended the memorial service for Senator Reed, who I worked for in another life. And the famous story about him for everybody was always that he never said goodbye. He just hung up the phone. <laughs> when the conversation was over, the man just hung up the phone. I've been on the other end of it. I so I kind I kind of got a little nostalgia hearing the dial tone like that on the other end like, "Oh, I remember that." I will say hanging up or saying bye to people that you don't talk to on the phone regularly like a doctor's appointment or anything like that. It can be a little awkward. Like, you can have an awkward thing. So I can understand the idea of I'm just hanging up when I hang up. There is no goodbye anymore. You just, you'll know it's over when you hear beep. Kira, do you do that? There are times when, like, I've accidentally, only a couple times when I've accidentally told somebody I love them before hanging up. Oh, I I did that in the emergency room. I was like, I, I had had, it's a weird story. I, I, <laughs> I had, I had, I had been, I had been sick and I had been given a prescription and I was allergic to the prescription. I had to like race into the emergency room. They hooked me up to a bunch of stuff. I don't even know what all of it was. I was all looped out. I had been dating my girlfriend for like a month at that point. Oh, and no. I needed someone to come pick me up and I was like, 
I'm in, I'm in the emergency room, and if you come in, and I love you, <laughs> oh god. Oh, okay, no. let's talk when you get here. <laughs> oh no. I, I I wasn't you know I wasn't quite at that point yet, but my god, was it awkward? <laughs> More relationship advice with Adam Candy coming up, but first we got tickets to give away. If you want to go to the NHL All Star Fan Fest, we got a pair of tickets for you. The Truly Hard Seltzer NHL Fanfare is in Las Vegas starting today through Sunday, February 6th. It's out at the convention center, and we got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. Two tickets to the NHL Fanfare. We'll take caller number six. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler featuring Adam Candy. Ed is out at the Pro Bowl and NHL All-Star Games uh, for the rest of the week. Adam Candy filling in today. All right. Um, obviously, there have been some other news with the Giants. Uh, but I, I've been wanting to ask you the last couple of days, if we set aside the Brian Flores lawsuit, what are the Giants doing at quarterback now that they have a new head coach? Like, can can Daniel Jones be good under Brian Dabble, or, or should they absolutely still be looking for a new quarterback? That is such a hard question to answer if you believe that, as a coach, Brian Dable is the guy who improved Josh Allen. Josh Allen has far better physical tools than Daniel Jones. However, one of the things that we've heard consistently and seen consistently is that Daniel Jones, when healthy and protected by an offensive line that is not made of silk, can throw the ball deep. <laughs> he can get the ball down the field, and that's one of the things that is the greatest among his skill set in addition to the fact that he can run well who does that sound like exactly like josh allen a quarterback with legs who can get the ball down the field with his arms so we've seen brian dable be able to develop a quarterback of that mold before so even though i'm someone who said i think daniel jones needs to go as the quarterback of the new york giants i don't think you're going to do that in year one when he's still on his rookie contract you really don't have a lot of harm in going after it with Daniel Jones this year because this team's not going to win anyway. Um, this offensive line was the worst in the NFL all of last year. And until you make something out of that offensive line, you have no idea what Daniel Jones really can do. What? Uh, how many years left on the tricky contract? Uh, this is year four for Daniel Jones. Okay, so conceivably two more years. Uh, they've got to decide this offseason then on his fifth year uh, on his fifth year of that contract. So, okay, let me let me ask you this because I feel like the most likely outcome here is that Daniel Jones is going to look better this season, but not necessarily great. And there were going to be plenty of reasons or excuses to point to as to why Daniel Jones uh, didn't look great, but he looked just better. Are the Giants going to be in a tough spot even after a year of seeing Daniel Jones under Brian Dable of still not really knowing where he's going to be or where he's going to go in the future. So let's go back a year because I don't think you can use any of last year to evaluate Daniel Jones because of the line and because of the fact that he hardly played. Uh, I think you go back at least to 2020 where Daniel Jones was the 18th graded quarterback by pro football focus between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow near Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Phillip Rivers. 
you could go back another year if you want with Daniel Jones, and it's not quite as complimentary. He was 25th between Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco. But if you use 19 to 20 and say, okay, this was progress, he moved in the right direction, then if you can get Daniel Jones up to 10th, 11th, then I don't know what the Giants do because you look at Dable and say Brian Dable was able to turn Josh Allen from a quarterback that people thought was going to be potentially a waste of a first round pick into the you know super guy that everybody looked at this year and said he should have beaten Patrick Mahomes. So I think if you're the Giants, you have to ask yourself where you are in the process and ask yourself, can you build around Daniel Jones? Can you build a roster around him that's going to win during the tenure of Joe Shane and Brian Dable? I don't know that the answer is yes. And if the Giants are horrible again next year, and there's every chance the Giants are horrible again next year, and they're picking in the top five, I don't know that you can pass on a quarterback. I mean, look... Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck is all you ever need to look at to understand that when the right guy is there, it doesn't matter who you have. You've got to make the move. Yeah, and I, I think that'd be the interesting part is if Daniel Jones, like if we're talking about, you know, he's he's in that 12 to 15 range, right? Like he's a solid quarterback. The problem is that the rookie contract is basically going to be over after this year. That you don't Do you want to pay that guy? whatever a quarterback would be getting like you know is he getting 30 million if he has a really good season next year right that becomes the issue that guy that 10 to 15 quarterback on a rookie deal is a no-brainer you you want that unless obviously you have a top five guy but that's the type of quarterback you want to find and so it makes it a little bit difficult and that's kind of where the Raiders have been for the last five years with Derek Carr is he's never really been oh that guy's a top five guy in the league unless you look at passing yards for the entire season but that guy's a top five guy in the league that's not been Derek Carr. So it's been, okay, we got something. He's useful, but not really going to be the reason we win anything. How often, how long do we keep him? How much do you pay him? And how much does that hurt the rest of your roster? It's, I'm curious, like, i fairly optimistic about Brian Dable. Like, I, I think that's a really good hire. I think he's going to be good. But it's a, it's a weird situation where it's not so cut and dry what exactly you do with Daniel Jones. If you're wondering how this is going to happen in New York and whether Brian Dable gets to make this decision, whether Joe Shane uh, is allowed to make this decision, I think you need to read Dan Dugan's article in The Athletic about the dysfunction of the Giants under the Maris. Uh, it's a long <laughs> read, but the headline is someone saying this place is effed up. Um, and I didn't realize just how deep the dysfunction runs inside the Giants organization. So if they're going to let Joe Shane and Brian Dable really make this decision, then I think this year is everything. And, I, and I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that as a fan of the Giants to say, give Daniel Jones a year under the guys you just committed to to run your franchise for hopefully more than two years, which would be more than the last three head coaches, and let them decide whether he has the talent because they have the track record. Unlike Joe Judge, maybe unlike Pat Shermer, definitely unlike Ben McAdoo, they all have flaws that Brian Dable does not have on his resume because Brian Dable has Josh Allen. I am glad you were a little optimistic about Daniel Jones to start this. I was a little disappointed, but you you turned it around there. You got to ownership and you you turned this segment exactly what I wanted to be. Exactly what I was looking oh, for. Oh, all right. Listen, I can't yell without Gettleman. <laughs> Coming up next, we get into the Super Bowl.